I got to go to Arlington Cemetery fairly recently and see the events, how that, you know, the, um, all the special things they do for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and that, the whole, you know, everything is A1 perfect. And all the things that they, it's, it's actually a pretty decent, um, pretty semi-lengthy proceeding that they do there. It's not just, okay, one guard comes up, another one leaves, and that's the end of it. It's pretty, pretty cool. But um, to think of how much we do for, or how much they do, I should say, for those few that nobody knows who they are. People that gave their lives for us so that we could have the freedoms that we have today, so that people in foreign lands could have the freedoms that they have today. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome that people are willing to give their lives for us I actually went to a um, a funeral fairly recently up at Saratoga National Battlefield there, <clears throat> cemetery rather, and uh, to see how they hold, do the whole thing with the 21-gun salute and, and the whole deal. And I remember one time I had the privilege of being a pastor doing a service for at that same battlefield, well, at that same cemetery rather, Saratoga National Cemetery. And the I I knew the person that passed away and I knew the, the family, all those that were there. And the toughest thing for me, you know, you're you're supposed to be the preacher, you're supposed to, you know, be, you know, tough and cool and all that stuff. And it is so hard when at that moment, when they when they hand that flag over to the the widow, the living spouse, that is that is a tough moment, man. Just like that's it, man. That's this is this is the end of it. Um, and it's just a tough thing to get through. But it's it's so neat that we are willing to do that kind of a ceremony for somebody that that served us. How much more should we do for the Lord of glory that he was willing to come down here and give his life for us so that we could have eternal life? He made a way. He could have just said, you know what? These humans are all messed up. I'm going to just wipe them out and and make something else something else that will praise me better something else that will worship me better and that was pretty close to what happened in Noah's day God destroyed everybody except for one family eight people and I'm just so thankful that God cut me a break and they cut all of us a break and that we're here today because of his love and his mercy and his kindness toward us. I want to look a little bit, speaking of, today we're going to talk a little bit about faith. We mentioned, I know that some of you, including myself, go through things every week, sometimes every day, things that we don't like, things that are tough to get through, some things that are negative. And 
Today we're going to talk about faith, and we're going to look at some people that had faith and what that looks like, biblically what it looks like, according to the Bible, what they say it looks like, not what I would like to see it look like. This sermon, unfortunately, would not be highly received in in a lot of Christian circles, especially in a lot of the Pentecostal charismatic circles. Because we always want to think, and God loves us, and God wants to bless us, and all that, and that is very true too. But we gotta, we gotta take the Bible for what it says and what it means, outright. We can't just take scriptures to mean what we want them to mean. We can't just do what we want to do. We gotta take the Bible for what it is, and we see that without faith. It is impossible to please God. That's what uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says. We have to have faith. God wants us to have faith. He says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want to take a little walk through, through some of the Bible I mean, there is so many examples. There's no way we'd have time to even touch just a, a portion of them today. But we're going to look at some. We're going to start out in Hebrews chapter 11. If you read all of Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see a huge example of, of people and events and things that they did. But I want to jump ahead a little bit. I want to jump right to Hebrews 11 verse 24. <clears throat> By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, He per persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw God who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So he had faith when, when God said, hey, the, the, angel of, the angel said, this is what's going to happen. He said, on this day... I am going to send a death angel over Egypt. And wherever house does not have the blood of the lamb over that doorpost, the Passover blood of the lamb, the firstborn of that household, the firstborn animals from that household, every firstborn is going to die. And Moses knew that God knew what he was talking about. He told everybody, hey, this is the deal. This is what we need to do. And this is going to be God's way of getting us out of Egypt, basically. <laughs> now, it says that he, I mean, think about it. Moses was brought up as Pharaoh's daughter's child really as Pharaoh's grandson. 
He had everything. He had the money. He had the, he had the schooling. He had everything he wanted. But his heart went out to his own people. When he saw that they were being mistreated, the, he, the other Hebrews and what was going on, his heart went out to them and then God got his attention and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. And he's like, who am I, Lord? You know, I, uh, I'm a nobody. Can't you use somebody else? You know, I, God said, no, you're the one. He even worked with them a little bit. He could, God got a little bit um, perturbed at him some. He's like, well, I, I don't even speak good. I, you know, I, I stutter. I stammer. Um, how about my brother Aaron? He, he's okay. You know, God says, you know what? He says, I'm going to let, you're, you're going to miss a little bit of this blessing here. You could have had all the blessing of doing everything for me, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let Aaron be your spokesperson. I'm going to speak to you and talk to you personally, and you're going to tell Aaron what to say and what to do, and he's going to do it for you. I don't want to be one that God has an opportunity to use us, like here in this place, here in this in this town, in this city of Colony. God wants to use us. I don't want to be the person that says, oh, God, man, this is, this is too hard. It's out of my league. It's not really what I want to do. Um, send somebody else to do it, Lord. We don't want to be that guy. We want to be the one that says, Lord, just like Mary did. Mary's told, hey, you know, I know you're a virgin and you're, you're young, possibly only 14 years old. Who knows? But she was young anyway, young teenager, and says, hey, you're going to have a baby, and, and not just any baby. He's going to be the son of God. And she said, be it unto me according to your word, O Lord. That's the heart we need to have. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this thing. Lord, I don't know how you're going to pay my bills. Lord, I don't know how you're going to restore my my marriage. Lord, I don't know how you're going to help me pass these, these high school and college classes. But Lord, here I am. Use me. Show me how. Lord, I want to be a witness and testimony at the school or the college that I go to. I don't know how, but Lord... I'm willing, show me how to be that voice piece for you, Lord. Show me how to not to not reject the opportunity as Moses did and try to talk you into using somebody else. And and don't get me wrong, folks, Moses did great things. But he could have God's first intent was, hey, I want to use you. And he's like, no, use him instead. I want to be, Lord, if you want me to do something, I want to be there. I want to be there for you. I don't want to push you off on somebody else. I want to jump over to Hebrews chapter, okay, well, we're already there. Chapter 11, we just read about Moses. I want to jump down to verse 29, which is where we left off. <laughs> By faith. The people passed through the Red Sea on the dry land, but the Egyptians tried to do so, 
and they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. They could have said, God, why didn't you just do it? You know, you're all powerful. Why didn't you just do it? You know, one time around, we walk, march around one time and the walls fall down. We're done. You know, what's this deal with seven days doing this? But thank God they didn't. They didn't ask any questions when, when Joshua said, hey, this is what God wants us to do. Let's do it. They, they were just right. That we don't see any argument about them trying to figure out why it had to be seven days. They just, okay, Lord. Joshua, he was a man of God that said, Lord, here I am. Use me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord is what he said. Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of faith I want all of us to have. We have Jonathan, Riley, Ariel, Talia, um, Joanna, and anybody else's name who I can't remember. (laughs) Madeline. We need to be people of faith. It's not just about mom and dad and grandma and grandpa having faith. It's about us being the children and the men and women of God to serve him. Let's see what we got. Some more examples here. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fiery, the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. First of all, we talked about all these things that people had miraculous deliverance. There were people that led armies and won in victory because God said, I want you to go into battle against these ungodly people, and I am going to deliver you. I am going to give you the land of Israel, is what God told them. So they did it, and they were successful. There were people that were actually raised from the dead at times, even in Jesus' day. There were people that were did all kinds of miraculous stuff. So we hear about that, and we're excited. You know, we're all on board with those people of faith. You know, when we talk about the, the faith text in the Bible, you know, we're glad to say, oh, yeah, without faith it's impossible to please God. And, and we talk about people being raised from the dead and miraculous signs and things happening. Oh, that's great. But then we get... Then we get in the middle of this section here, and we really don't want to talk about that. We're like, no, that's that's not what's going to make my church big today. That's not what's people don't want to go to a church. You know, they're thinking in their earthly minds, people are not going to want to go to a church where we don't tell them that they can be millionaires, where we don't tell them that 
They can have every healing that they ever asked for. They can touch every single person. They'll be healed. They can do this. They can do that. And God can still do that stuff today. But it's his will be done. Even Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Father, if, if there is a way past this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. Jesus prayed that three times, the Bible says. And, and we seem to think that today that we can just, that God is our, uh, our sugar daddy in the sky, that we can just tell him what we want, how we want it, when we want it. Lord, I want a faster car. Lord, I want, I want a bigger house. I want more money. I want this. I want that. And we think that he's just going to give it to us. And God loves us, and sometimes he will give us those things if our, if our hearts are right, and if we desire to use them for his honor and glory, he will do some things. But he knows our hearts. He knows if we can handle it. He knows if we deserve to have certain things. Sometimes he has to not give us what we want, so we'll come to him instead of, just, oh, well, God gives me whatever I want. He's cool. I'm cool. We all get along good and everything's great. Sometimes we can't get what we want. Sometimes there's other circumstances involved, too. Sometimes there's other people. Like with Pharaoh, God, soft, God had to soften his heart at times so he would give in to Moses but then he'd also allow his heart to get hardened and go against Moses. And we know that the outcome was so that God could get the glory. When they were all drowned in the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his leadership and his fighting men, the whole world could see that, wow, Israel's God <laughs> is a God that can kick tail. Israel's God is a God that's above all others. He can do things that no other God could do. But that wouldn't be the case if nobody would acknowledge it like that if those events didn't happen. And I tell you what, the people of Israel were not happy with Moses when, as they were going on either. When they're standing at the, at the edge of the Red Sea and they look behind them and they know Pharaoh's army's coming and all they see is water at flood stage. They were scared. To They're like, Moses, why did you bring us out here so we could die? Why didn't you just leave us alone? We were, we were happy working for Pharaoh and building his blocks and all that stuff which they weren't. They grumbled and complained about the whole time, but all of a sudden that looked really good versus I'm at the edge of this river. I ain't got nowhere to go. But then when Aaron raised that staff up and that water divided and they walked through on dry ground all the way across, then all of a sudden, hey man, this is pretty sweet. We got this. This is cool. And especially when they saw the waters close in on Pharaoh and his armies and they all drowned. Unfortunately, that, that faith, that excitement, that faith, that, that burst only lasted a very short time. Then they started complaining again. Gee, Moses, you brought us over here so now we can starve to death. 
why didn't you leave us over there? At least we had food over there. There was always a complaint, always a problem, always a reason. I don't want us to be like that. And I know as humans, we can be. I know it's very easy for us to be like that, for us to look at the negatives, the things we don't like. I don't like the way so-and-so's treating me. I don't like that this event happened. Yeah. I don't like the things that happened yesterday in my yard due to a windstorm, but things happen and God allows them to happen for a reason. Sometimes the devil makes bad things happen, but still God allows things to happen. God didn't put all those terrible things on Job, but he allowed them to happen to Job, which is the most godly man of that time. And in the very end, we saw how Job and his three friends learned lessons and how they eventually, how everything worked out greater in the end than the beginning. But he had to suffer dearly to get there. So he could look back after it was all done and say, wow, thank you, Lord. You know, everything worked out good. But when it was going on, it didn't look all that great at all. Then we get in the middle of this section here, in the middle of this paragraph. It says, Women receive back their dead, raised to life again. Others, however, verse 35, halfway through, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. I can't even imagine that. Being alive and being sawed in two with a saw like you would cut down a tree with. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. That's what the Bible says in verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These, were all, these folks were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, 
and you have not forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now that is not a scripture that you hear spoken of very much in those churches like I mentioned before. They're like, well, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That is very true also. But God loves us and he disciplines us and helps us to be more and more in his image. And sometimes it takes taking a tough thing. Job was not excited that he was going to walk around with boils and, and in the agony he was in. He wasn't excited that he lost all his finances, that he lost his, some of his family members, his kids, to death. But God had a plan that he didn't know about. We need to trust the Lord. If we truly have faith in the Lord, whether we're going through good times or bad times, we need to trust him and know that he is in control and he will make all things work together for good. Enduring hardship as discipline, God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, it, oh, sorry, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Now, some of you... I don't know your parent, all your parents. There may have been times where maybe your, maybe your father or your mother disciplined you in a way that was not godly. But, but look at what the, the heart of the scripture is saying. They did what they thought was best. It may not have been right. It may have been terrible. But they did what they thought they were doing right. Now listen to this. Okay, our fathers disciplined us for a little while, well, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good. God knows what we need, and God cares about us, and he does what he does for our good. That we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather be healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's where I want to stop in that scripture. Without holiness... No one may see the Lord. So we saw some, some different examples, and I even mentioned to you about Job and that. But I want to look at one more passage here quick that you guys, going back to the book of Genesis, speaking of people that had hard times and that, 
Obviously, we don't have time to read this whole passage, but I want to read the end part of it. Um, talking about Joseph, all the things he did, how he was mistreated, he ended up in prison falsely, all these terrible things for years. It wasn't just like a couple weeks or a couple days or a couple months. I mean, we're talking about years. He is waiting for God. He sees visions of God making him ruler over everybody, his whole family. And all he sees now is he's sitting in prison for a few years wondering, Lord, what in the world is going on? I don't get it. Probably, you know, we don't know what he thought to himself, how he felt. The Bible doesn't go into those details. But I know if it was me, I might would have some days of doubt in there. Wondering what in the world. I want to look quick at Genesis chapter 45. I want to start at verse 1. Genesis 45, starting in verse 1. This is right when Joseph is getting ready to reveal himself to his brothers here. After they've already visited the second time to Egypt and gotten food and gotten arrested and all kinds of oddball stuff has gone on here. He can't take it anymore. Verse 40, chapter 45, verse 1, Genesis. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive, still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They figured, oh man, it's payback time now, we're, we're done. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. For selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there have been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here. But God, he made me father to Pharaoh, Lord, of, Lord to his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. 
So Joseph, after all those things, all those terrible things he went through, he finally came to the point where he realized what God was doing, what the real plan was. And we know that if it wasn't Jacob's children were are the 12 tribes of Israel. If Jacob and his whole family died off, Joseph would have been the only one. God had a plan. God made a way where there was no way. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. He, he wouldn't have been able to come and save us from our sins if Joseph didn't go through all those things he went through. We go through stuff today in our lives that sometimes we're like, God, why am I, what is going on? Why am I going through this? What we really need to do is build our faith and not question why God is going through this, but what we need to do is say, God, help me through this. Lord, you know what's best. Your perfect will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I don't know why I'm going through these things, but Lord, you do, and I just pray that you'll help me go through them. And Lord, that I would be successful going through them, that I would be the witness and testimony with my life, that I would live an example that as I walk through the trials of this life, that I would live the way that you would have wanted me to, the way that you desire me to live. That's where we need to be. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, please help us all. Lord, we're small, we're weak, but we want to be mighty for you, Lord. We want to be difference makers. Help us to change the world change this world right here in Colony, Albany, Clifton Park, Schenectady, Saratoga. Lord, help us to start here and change this world for your gospel. And Lord, if you want us to expand out beyond that, that's awesome, Lord. Lord, help us. Help us to be witnesses right in our own family, in our own school circles, with we all in our work circles, Lord, with people that we see daily, help us to be difference makers for the community that we live in, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.